Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Today we explore the essentials, not the optional. The drivetrain of your life with God, not the audio system. The bones of your inner man, not the cologne of the outer man. Today, we look at the core courses, not the electives. We ask, what is essential to the child of God? And today, I will challenge you, challenge you with that greatest of essentials. In fact, it cannot die. It will not die. Elijah was told to shelter in place at the brook Cherith, and there God took care of him. Then he was told to travel to a pagan village named Zarephath. There God had instructed a widow with a meal barrel to provide for him. Through those three and a half years of sheltering in place, God spoke with Elijah. Elijah spoke with God. Drought, no rain was on the outside. But within Elijah's circle was spiritual rain. Famine, no food on the outside. But within Elijah's sphere of influence, there was indeed a manna of sorts from heaven. Death was on the outside, but within Elijah's circle was something completely death-defying. Heaven's gates had opened. Hell's gates could not prevail. Why? Because Elijah had something essential, a deathless component, that courageous, bold, intense, and passionate ability to hear from God and to speak with God. James 5.17 says that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. He prayed, he prayed again, and within those three and a half years, Elijah drew close to an invisible companion, and in God, he found life. E.M. Bounds once said, prayers are deathless. The lips that uttered them may be closed in death. The heart that felt them may have ceased to beat. But the prayers live before God, and God's heart is set on them. For prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them, outlive a generation, Outlive an age, outlive a world. Hello, my name is Ken Gurley, and all of this week, we're going to be talking about your prayer life before God. And here today, we discuss the deathlessness of any prayer that you sincerely pray. You will not be known for your money. You will not be known for your intellect. You will not be remembered for your talents or skills, but you can be remembered by your prayers. Elijah's day was much like our own. We read his story in 1 Kings 18 that the altar of Israel had been broken down, was in a state of disrepair. It could be a proper diagnosis for us today. We have crumbled altars. Let me define an altar for you. It's a meeting place between heaven and earth. It's the exact center of the circumference of your life. It's at the heart of a 12-foot-wide circle, six feet around you in all directions. Who has your heart? 
That's the question. Oh, there were altars galore that dotted Israel during Elijah's day. They were just altars to man-made gods. The false gods were aplenty. Baal, god of prosperity, of life-giving rain. Asherah, the supposed goddess of life and fertility. Astarte, or Ashtoreth, the queen of heaven, goddess of love and war, who they worship. Chemosh, the god of the Moabites. Dagon, the god of the Philistines. Molech, god of the Moabites. Tammuz, god of the Mesopotamians. And of course, I use the word God there with a lowercase g because there is no God like our God. Jezebel had at her beck and call at that time 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. You add them all up, 850 worshiping at altars that just didn't matter. And the one altar that mattered, it had crumbled. We have the same. Altars we build to the heavens in pursuit of wealth. We call them office towers, trade centers. They're still largely throughout the week. Altars we build to the stars of the fields, courts and diamonds. We call them sports arenas. Well, they don't matter much these days. Altars we build to celebrities. We call them theaters and concert venues. And what do they really matter? For these are not deathless. These will pass with time. Whatever's popular today will fade tomorrow. But there is a crumbled altar. Even in a state of disrepair, it has a certain deathless quality about it. It may erode. It may be neglected. But power remains there. In a day, we hear of billions and trillions of dollars discussed and thrown around. Prayerlessness remains the costliest commodity of them all. We can't afford a crumbling altar, not with the world at its breaking point, not with all of the pressures facing us today. Jesus said when, not if you pray, but when, and men ought always to pray and not to faint. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, let your requests be made known unto God. We have recited these scriptures so many times. Maybe they don't move us as they should. Perhaps some are sensing an urgency in the atmosphere, and they're trying and trying valiantly to rebuild a crumbled altar. For in the past few decades, they've made war on the floor, beseeching, interceding, agonizing, travailing, but they're growing weary, awaiting reinforcements. My wife and I sat at the funeral of Joy Haney a while back, and the thought went through my mind, who will replace this generation of people that knew how to touch the heavens, knew how to pray? Many of the great prayer warriors have now left us. Many more are growing weary. Elijah may have felt that way. He may have felt so all alone, but there were actually 7,000 more in Israel that had not prayed to Baal, but he felt all alone. Like nearly every person of prayer feels sometimes that they are a stranger in a strange land. What has happened to us? Altars in need of repair dot the landscape. Like toy blocks strewn about and abandoned by a temperamental child. Like headstones and memorials toppled by a vandal intent on humiliation. Like a once proud structure crumbled by a wrecking ball. 
The practice and knowledge of prayer slips through our grasp as those elusive skills of yesteryear, building fires, sewing dresses, raising barns. Those once necessary skills have been negated, mainly through electrification, department stores, urban lifestyles. Prayer, however, has no substitute. It must always exist in the lives of God's people. Each generation must build its altars and illuminate the darkness. Prayerlessness is costly. It's killing us. We believe in prayer, but we don't pray as we could and should. And constantly, we are cursed with prayerless churches, prayerless homes, parents, children, singers, musicians, prayerless volunteers. Why should people pray? If prayer is simply to get answers, then today's believers learn to consult search engines and smartphones and a host of new resources. Seeking God takes time. Asking Google does not. And the latter has an overabundance of answers. Merely take your pick of which you like best. But prayer is more than getting answers to frequently ask questions. Prayer is gaining heaven's attention. Only heaven has the fire to eradicate the problem. Well, that's interesting, Pastor. But does this pass the who cares test? What does this have to do with anything? I would say everything. The world's lawlessness rises in direct proportion to the church's prayerlessness. We are salt and light. We are empowered by God to restrain darkness, hold back the night. But a spiritual slumber has hit Christendom. A stupor during this season. We need to stir ourselves. The cure is twofold to restore the altar. Our present condition resulted from a broken down altar. The cure requires us to rebuild that devotion to prayer. Acute prayerlessness is only cured by intentional prayerfulness. The end of three and a half years. Elijah went to Carmel to challenge the false gods, false worship, false altars. All were called together. Fire was to fall from heaven. That was to be indicative of the true God. The majority went first, but by sunset, there was no voice, no fire from heaven. It was Elijah's turn. First Kings 18.30, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. All the people drew near. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So Elijah, what did you learn from your time, your three and a half years alone with God? I learned to rebuild an altar. I learned the power of personal prayer. I learned the power of gathering people together in twos and threes and prayers in large group. The same kind of prayer that brought nations back to God and to health turned the hearts of sinners to the ark of safety, wrecked selfishness and wrought selflessness. That same kind of prayer that turns worlds upside down, that gives birth to ministries and evangelism, that forges growth and discipleship. God said in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's rebuilding the altar. About a year ago, God began to deal with my heart on this subject. I couldn't shake it, couldn't get away from it. That it's time to rebuild the altar. Is there seven of you, 70, 700, 7,000 who will join me? Are there churches, small groups? Are there entire states and countries who will say, we will join you? We will rebuild the deathless component of our lives, the altars 
of prayer. And so we read in 1 Kings 18.36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near. That was the rule. A lamb had to be offered in the morning. A second lamb had to be offered in the evening. There have been revivals, R.A. Torrey once said. There have been revivals without much preaching, but there never has been a mighty revival without prayer. I believe for a final awakening. I believe our nation doesn't need so much financial stimulus. We need a heavenly fire. We need a Holy Ghost revival, an awakening that will shake our nation to drive back the spirits of confusion, darkness, and despair, to drive back the night that enfolds the earth. Samuel Chadwick once said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. But oh, he fears when we begin to pray. We need to see the fires of revival. Nero, as the story goes, fiddled while Rome burned. May we not look back on this time of our lives and say we piddled as the world burned. Is there something that can defy death? Yes, there is. There is a deathless component to prayers. When you cry out on the name of the Lord, there is something that will live long after you. Right now, wherever you are, make room. Make room to rebuild an altar and rekindle and reclaim the flame. Because what you're about to do in prayer will last for all of eternity. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.